welcome to the tribe. This is show number 57 of Coffee with the Coach. I'm here with my man, Magic Mike McQuaid from Ireland, our producer, and much more than that, from the Irish uh, island. Uh, what do we call that? The, the, uh, the Are we talking about... It's the Emerald Isle, right? Island. Yeah, yeah, you call it the Emerald Isle. All right, tell me, because you went... Um, you went undercover, man. Like you went like totally, I lost you. I thought maybe something had happened to you. I couldn't get a hold of you. And the next thing I see on Twitter, you're, you're standing in London <laughs> and you're getting ready to go watch the Euros. Tell me about the trip, man. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, I think it was like, yeah, but two weeks ago, I, I went on to the, to the website and got tickets for a semifinal and, you know, thought I was being smart and obviously as somebody from here and realized England were playing uh, in the semi-final against Denmark, you know, that was clearly a masterstroke looking back. But yeah, I mean, went to London, first flight since February last year. It was weird, but I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, great, like, look, fantastic atmosphere at Wembley. Uh, really going to miss the NFL at Wembley this year. It, it just... It, that was like I hadn't been to Wembley since the Texans Jaguars game the year the, the the year before last, and ended up Jeff going to Tottenham Stadium for for the, for the for the first time actually the day after it was just a it was a very interesting experience. It was my first it, time there. You know, it was a it was an amazing call to get from you from the pitch your pitch level <laughs> at Tottenham Stadium Hotspur Stadium, and they were actually filming some NFL business out there correct yeah I, i'm not sure what they're filming but they are, are they they might have even been testing like the graphics for the games in october but the field was out and and, and the one thing i like i mean like jeff you've been there guys that are watching this have been there but the one thing that stood out for me was the difference between the soccer pitch and, and the football field like the actual gap between where like where the soccer manager sits it's so low down but even like going around the tour and sitting in like the corporate levels and the bottom levels, that's such a good stadium for football. Like I, I, I can't wait to the games in October. There's not one bad seat in that stadium. Well, how did it look like from your suites that you're going to have for uh, <laughs> the Irish NFL suite for next year's games? <laughs> um, look, I, it was just really, it's, it's so compact and it's just such a good stadium for football, but uh yeah, like even the center view there was just class and I can't wait to see it. But the field, it just, it hits home when you're walking on, you're seeing a field in the UK. Like, so uh, well, here's to many more games in London and hopefully, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously looking forward to, to these two games this year as well. So it should be good. I think it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, I've said this many times, Mike, that the, just the, um, you know, the whole thing about the London games, the, you know, the Wembley game, I've only been able to, be at one, but um, I guess two. And it's just amazing. To me, it's second only to the Super Bowl. Just the entire, you know, just the atmosphere of it. You see jerseys from all 32 teams, no matter who's playing. The fans are just, I mean, it's really, really the people's game, man. And I, I, that's what I love about it. And I cannot wait to see it in the Hotspur Stadium because that's the first one that's ever been really built with football mm. in mind when they, you know, and I've heard the sight lines are tremendous, but let's get to some news in the national football league. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald again is still undecided on whether he's going to play this season or not. 
I'm I'm one of those ones that is rooting big for Larry Fitzgerald to come back one more time. Larry Fitzgerald's a class act. He's a great player. He's an icon in the desert. And it was interesting uh, talking to Chris Banjo on the show last week, how he talked about almost in reverential terms about Larry Fitzgerald. Yes, sir. And like, look, you're saying he's, he's undecided in terms of coming back this season. I know he said he hadn't decided anything and we're only two or three weeks out from training camp. So you'd like to think we'll get that decision quite soon. I think he'll come back for another year. Yeah, well, you know, I think it'll be like 18 seasons now if you don't. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, what longevity. And I had the great good fortune uh, at the Miami Super Bowl to have dinner with Larry's dad, who is a sports writer uh, in Minnesota. He's retired now. But uh, I sat down with him and had dinner with him. And, and you can see why Larry Fitzgerald is such a class act. You know, he grew up as a ball boy for the Vikings because his dad was the beat writer for the Vikings with the Minneapolis paper. It was really kind of a neat deal. Hey, your Broncos, they're in the lead. They're trendsetters. And you talk about whether the, you know, the NFL's incentivizing players getting vaccinated is working. Here's case in point. Denver Broncos now have over 95% of their players with at least one COVID-19 vaccination. I didn't know that. I'm very impressed to hear it up because like we, we talked about this in the previous shows, if you don't get your vaccination shot, and look, it's up to the players, of course, and we've seen different players speak out about it, but you're very limited in what you can do outside of the training facility this season. So it's good to hear the Broncos as a Broncos fan that they're actually doing that. So it might make the season uh, a little easier for them but it'll be interesting to see I guess across the board uh, will teams get to that figure if not by the start of training camp in a few weeks but maybe by, maybe by the end of it when they've realized this is quite limited so we'll see but you know what uh, Stefan Gilmore the great cover corner from New England is embroiled in a contract negotiation he wants to renegotiate his deal he wants what I what he he says I just want what I'm worth uh, you know, however that plays out. So what he's basically saying is he wants to get paid as a shutdown corner, which he should, in my opinion. He's mm. one of the better corners in the league. And, you know, obviously with this player empowerment stuff that's going on, he, he may be in a situation where he is either late to camp or holds out or whatever. So we'll have to monitor that one for, for Patriots fans. Really cool thing happened this week too, Mike. Uh, the United States Naval Academy – West Point, the, uh, you know, the, the art where young kids go to become Army officers and Air mm -hmm. Force, uh, the Air Force Academy. Typically, those guys are, not, you know, it's really difficult for those guys to play professional football. They're not there to be groomed to be professional football players. But on occasion, there are some guys who have the talent. The tough thing is they have to they have to appeal to the armed forces branch that they work in for the opportunity to postpone basically their service to the country. To, to chase a pro football dream. And mm -hmm. uh, Navy has a kid, Cameron uh, Kinley, who is a defensive back that Tampa wanted to, to sign and bring to training camp. And at first, uh, the uh, United States Navy said, nope, you are a, you, we trained you to be an officer. You've got to start your career as an officer. You know, Roger Staubach, the great quarter, quarterback from Dallas, had to wait until he had already served five years before he went to Dallas. This kid appealed to be allowed into the National Football League, initially was told no, uh, but just found out from the Department of uh, Defense that uh, Secretary, Secretary of Defense actually 
called, gave him a call and said, we are going to allow you to pursue your NFL dream. So he'll be in camp with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Just so that's what they need. Just another good player. But again, I'm really happy for that kid. Travis Kelsey, the, uh, one of the ringleaders of tight end you, which I thought was a really great idea. You know, it's interesting. He, he, uh, says he is reinvigorated after the Super Bowl because he said they got shellacked in the Super Bowl. That's kind of an interesting <laughs> choice of words by Travis Kelsey. But. I mean, that's that's definitely one way to put it, Jeff. I mean, come on, like they, they were quite, they were quite. I mean, you, I, I remember watching you during that game on Sky Sports talking about this. That wasn't a great performance in the Super Bowl. From okay, maybe I'm wrong, but I was shocked that they only scored. It was it like what nine points? Yeah, but remember now, you got to go back and you got to remember now. They they had lost Eric Fisher, you know. They had uh, they had a, their guard Tardif opted out during the season. They lost their right tackle, so you know they were really their offensive line was so battered, and and there was no way they were going to be able to protect Patrick. And he, you know, he played valiantly on a bad foot, but I think uh, I think that may have been a good experience for the Chiefs because I think that kind of humbled them a little bit, and I think they realized that they've got to work. But what do you think about that tight end you deal, Mike? Where all the all the tight ends got together and they actually, you know talk ball they traded you know tips and you know training techniques and all all kinds of stuff that was a great idea it's really unique and it's really cool we actually spoke to Noah Fant and I can't remember if it was before or after the draft but he had just mentioned it and he was so excited to go to it and um, he spoke last week about the things he got from it and I think that's something that I think not just tight ends should do but different uh, positions as well like maybe a different wide receiver camp. I'm sure there's plenty out there at the minute, but maybe go on that example and, and maybe try and build them up. But awesome to see. And um, maybe we can go next year, Jeff, and do a coffee with Coach. Did you see the golf at the weekend or on Tuesday? Golf? Golf? Yeah, the match. The I, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Oh, Brady. I, I, are you talking about the football, the quarterback? You don't hear what happened. You asked me about playing golf. I'm gonna, I'd rather poke a stick in my eye than play golf. Are you, are you kidding me? Well, no. <laughs> what happened? Before we get to the questions, I'm going to call this next segment, Ask Jeff. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, so basically, I'm not sure. Last year, whenever we were like knee-deep in COVID, the first mm-hmm. ever real big event to come on was, uh, I think it was Peyton and Tom Brady uh, against Tiger and Phil. Um, and this year, it was Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. But basically, they had like AirPods on and they were in the golf carts and TNT guys and stuff were asking the questions and somebody <laughs> asked a question. To Aaron Rodgers uh, about coming back, yeah. about being a Packer, and he completely dodged the question. But he didn't just dodge it; it was very awkward. He was like, "Because you're like sort of laughing, like we'll see, we'll see, we'll see." We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, mm. now I want to throw this at you because Neil and I talked about this on Inside the Huddle the other day, and I think it's right. fascinating. If you're Jordan Love right now, Oof. okay, if you're Jordan Love right now, you know how that every. It's, it's now become kind of commonplace that the quarterback will bring the receivers to a practice. For, you know, Brady also always brought the Patriots to, to his home in Montana. You know, they, they, they go to a, a usually to the Chiefs last year, went to Barbados, I think. You know, Patrick Mahomes flew them all down there, and they worked out for about a week. But it's a bonding thing as much as anything else. But if you're Jordan Love, do you have the – I won't. I can't say it. Do you have the balls? <laughs> Do you have the cojones 
to call Devontae Adams and Robert Tanyan and all that bunch of receivers and say, hey, meet me in California or wherever, and let's let's throw the ball because we got to get ready for training camp. Or do you or do you defer to Aaron Rodgers? Because you know, Aaron, as as uh, Mike Murphy said, he said he's a complicated fella. I just wonder how that would go over with Aaron Rodgers if Jordan Love did that. What's your take? Like, I, I mean, it's not as if Aaron's been in Green Bay for the last six months. You know, look, that's his decision and stuff. But the, but the reality is, if he's not showing up and he's maybe not doing anything, where have you got other guys like Jordan Love there? Other players come to training camp or come to practice sessions. You know, in Jordan Love's mind, he is the guy at the minute until until Rogers walks in the door. He he can't look at it any other way. So, I, I think he should do it. I seen he was training with Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields, the second comer, of course, Justin Fields this week. So, uh, I, I I can't see why not. But we're getting very close, Jeff, to this whole Roger situation as well. And yeah. I think Jordan Love is doing the right things. He's he's talking the right talk as well. So, I'm intrigued to see what happens, but. At the end of the day, I think in 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 it's it's in eight weeks' time. I think in eight weeks' time, Aaron Rodgers will be on the field. Okay, if he's not, then I think this is an opportunity. Even if he does, this is an opportunity for Jordan Love to establish himself with his teammates, and I think he needs to do that. He's the starting quarterback right now in Green Bay, right? Mm. Say it however you want to say it. Until Aaron Rodgers agrees to come back and play, if they went out to play tomorrow. It's Jordan Love. So you better get ready like you're going to be the guy. That's one of the things you, as a coach you say to players all the time. You have to prepare as if you are going to be the starter because you're one tap on the shoulder away from being that guy. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I can't wait. We've got some questions here as well, Mom, before we go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's have a look here. First one, Fred Flug from ERA, the Emerald Isle. Are the Cowboys playoff point? I'm going to give my view very quickly. No. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm joking. Why? Yes, they'll win the East. I think the Cowboys will win the East. Comfortable, to be honest. Think about this, right? Now, obviously, the Jets, I mean, excuse me, the Giants are going to be better. The Redskins should be better. I don't know about Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia's got some challenges yet. Yeah. But when you get Dak Prescott back, and you look at the receiving core that they have, and you know there's still some questions with the offensive line, but this was a beat-up football team at the top, and it was a team defensively that was really, for the first 12, 14, 16 games even of the season, they struggled, struggled on defense just to get lined up and play, you know, play the game the right way. And when you look at this football team, they are too talented to not be a playoff team. I mean, I really believe this is a talented football team. And I think with Dak Prescott being back, and I think Quinn will do a much better job of getting the defense all playing on the same page, playing together. Uh, it's a new staff. Now it's going to take them a little time. Plus they got training camp. So if I'm a Cowboy fan, I feel pretty good about this football team. I can't wait to see Doc Prescott come back, especially after what happened to him last year. I can't wait to see how motivated he's going to be week one. For me, uh, they win the East easily. Like, and for the first time in a long time, that division's sewn up early enough. Oh, okay, Fred, oh, you, heard oh. it from a, you heard it from a fellow Irishman that the Cowboys are going to win the East. <laughs> let's, oh, let, let's pray. G. Paz from Basingstoke. I'm not sure where Basingstoke is. Uh, you already tweeted him saying this. Who is winning the NFC North? You said you would answer it, so. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating question. I think it all hinges upon, right, that quarterback from Chico, California, that right now is not sure whether he's going to play or not. We'll see <laughs> is his answer to the question. Well, we'll see. Are the Packers good enough without Aaron Rodgers to win that division? I personally think it will be a struggle for that to happen. Minnesota will be better, right? They're going to get that defense fixed. Andre Patterson, uh, you know, I've talked to him in the offseason. They've, they've done a, you know, those kids are going to be a year older in the secondary. They're more in, you know, they brought better players back. They feel good about who they're going to be. So Minnesota will be better. Uh, Detroit, no. But I, as you look at that division, I just really think that Chicago is kind of looming out there as an un, you know, we don't know about them. How, how's the quarterback situation going to unfold at Chicago? A lot of questions in Chicago still about how good that offensive line is. The defense is starting to show some age. They got to get that defense playing again for them to win the division. But I think you got to say the Packers right now, but if Aaron doesn't come back, I think it's a wide open division. And I think, you know, it's going to be a question of who can stay healthiest. Bring it on. I actually can't wait to see, and you're, I think you might laugh at me here. I can't wait to see Jark off in Detroit. I think the guy's guy, I think for him, he's going to feel like he's got a point to prove almost. It was up, you know, it came out this week that uh, Sean McVay sort of snuck down to Cabell to meet with uh, Matthew Stafford's agent and stuff. So, you know, it was in the, it was in the works for a, for a long time. And we, I mean, look, I'm not saying Jar Goff is a superstar or a goat or anything like that there, but the guy was in the Super Bowl a few years ago. And I think for him, he'll maybe deep down be offended at what happened, or maybe it will have a lot of regrets. And I, I, I can't wait to see maybe Detroit. Who knows what could happen in that position? I think I saw, I think I saw, you might be able to confirm this for me, but I think Detroit plays the Rams. And if that is the, if that is the case, then that will be a game I guarantee I want to watch because those two quarterbacks who got traded in this offseason going to the opposite team and then, you know, it would be an awesome, awesome football game to watch. I would find out for you, but I typed in in Google while you were speaking, Lions schedule and over here come up British and Irish Lions rugby. So I'll get back to you on that. Uh, Dave WFC from Walsall in England. Um, <laughs> this is a good question. Which team will have the worst record come next January? If you ask me right today, who's going to be the worst football team in the National Football League last year or next year, I'm going to say the Texans are my number one choice, right? Because we don't even know if they're going to have Deshaun Watson, right? So this, this is a depleted team that suffered, struggled last year. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they're probably about into rebuild mode. I think Jacksonville will be better. Um, you know, as you look at the Jets will be better. I think Detroit might give them a run for the money or the worst record in the year. Um, I, you know, I'd, I'd really have to look at the schedule to really make a hard comment about that. But I think the teams that are most under talented in the league right now are the Texans and Detroit. But again, all that can change with a couple injuries. I mean, we saw that happen. So uh, again, whoever stays healthy, you know, usually wins and who gets hurt. Look at, you know, look at San Francisco last year. Everybody thought they were a Super Bowl champ, you know, Super Bowl team and, and they struggled, struggled. Absolutely. Look, I agree with you on the Saxon situation. It's very hard at this point to say, you know, who could be up, who could be down there with them. But 
I think that's what's so intriguing about this season coming up that there is no real like oh yeah they're not gonna a lot of talk about the Steelers and stuff and maybe will they go down a little bit I don't think they'll go down at that point but it'll be interesting I mean, that I can ne- I cannot imagine the Steelers taking that kind of a step back yeah I think they they'll take a step back because you look at that offensive line you know but again Najee Harris is hopefully can give them some balance as a running back. Their defense will be outstanding. They play, you know, the Steelers have that tradition. And, and, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. The hardest thing for the Steelers is, in my opinion, is the division that they're playing in. Because that is a tough, tough division. You got Baltimore and you got Cleveland in your own division. Yes, sir. Uh, penultimate question is from Kashif in London. You've touched on this already, but maybe a, a different aspect on it. We see every season players holding out uh, or foregoing training camps. What usually is the punishments for missing this camps? Um, the current situation with Gilmore, who loses out more if he leaves, and do you think he will get his pay deal? He's been performing. I mean, like I guess taking a slant, and I, I know you've already talked about that, Jeff, but for Gilmore, at what point does he ask for a trade? Well, I think you know he's got to he's got to make that decision, right? And um, understand though that particularly the Patriots. It's asset management to the Patriots. He is an asset. He is a very, very good player, right? And so they've dealt with disgruntled players before. You know, they're not afraid of that. Now, obviously, here's the thing you need to understand. The National Football League, if you are if you are unexcused miss at training camp, I want you to I want you to write these numbers down, right? Put a five and then start hanging zeros behind it. All right. And it's $50,000 a day that you're fine. 50. And if it's unexcused, they can't give it back to you. It used to be if you went, if you held out from camp, one of the things that you would negotiate is, well, you, you can rescind my fine. Well, they've changed that now because they don't want guys holding out. Now, if Aaron Rodgers, for example, doesn't go to, doesn't go to camp, right? It's 50 grand a day. He could lose over $2 million by holding out the entire training camp, 2 million. Okay. So again, that's what the guys like Gilmore are going to have to, you know, he's going to have to make a decision. Do we, do you sit? You know, again, you're talking about a guy who's getting up in years too. Right. So it's, do you do a Le'Veon Bell and take a year off? You know, those are all the choices he's got to make. I think he'll play. I think he'll play for the Patriots. And I don't think the Patriots are going to let a good cover guy, which, you know, Belichick loves his corners. Is I don't think they're going to let that guy get away. But, uh, you know, again, everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers not coming to camp. Well, it's a real expensive day at home if you don't get into camp. It's 50 grand a day. Big De Niro. Big, big De Niro. Uh, last question is from Toby, who is in Munich. Uh, hi Jeff, have you been following the new European League of Football, uh, and would you like to attend a game next year? I'm going to attend a game next year, and uh, but what a great segue into our guest because we have on uh, on the show today a guy that uh, you know played the game at a high level in Germany. He uh, he coached in NFL Europe as a member of our. Uh, elite coaching group, the, the national coaches, and he was the national coach for uh, the Hamburg Sea Devils and uh, has then got into 
coached as uh, head coach of the French national team, won the European championships with the French national team. He's uh, served internships with the Cleveland Browns, the Oakland Raiders. <clears throat> Patrick Azuma is a guest on the show today. And I think what they are doing with the European League of Football is outstanding. I've watched some of the games. You can go to uh, YouTube and you can catch the highlights. You can actually, uh, if you have a Samsung device, you can actually stream the games on your phone. It's very, very good football. I think it's really well done. And I'm excited about it. And I'm excited to talk to Pat about it today. Before we put on the pot, Jeff, I have to, I don't want to ask it, but I have to ask it. England, Italy, England's first final since 1966 tomorrow. I mean, you know, it's not as if we haven't heard about it on television for the last four days. I, I want to joke with you. But who's going to win, Jeff? Do you think? You know what? I'm, I'm telling you, this has been so fascinating for me, right? Because I really thought that Denmark had a legitimate chance to knock England off. That was the perfect trap scenario. You know how we talk about trap games in sport? That mm. was the perfect trap scenario. Nobody's given Denmark a chance, right? They're riding that emotional high. You know, England, you know, is already, the, you could hear the English fans talking about playing Italy before they ever beat Denmark, right? <laughs> and, you know, had it not been for an own goal, another own goal in the Euros, you know, who knows, that might, might have gone to penalty, you know? I, I mean, the shootout. I mean, it was a fantastic game. It's great to see, I know this, it's great to see Harry Kane succeed. Right. I, I really as much heat as he took in the media earlier, I enjoy, uh, you know, I, I enjoy watching England play. I think England is a very, very good team. They play great defense, only giving up one goal. Right. In the whole mm. tournament. Now they're going to play a very good and very talented Italian team at home. But I'm going to make I'm going to make you sad right here, buddy. I'm going to make you I'm going to. Oh, come feeling. on, man. Come I'm on, man. I'm a very feeling. accepting and diverse individual who has many friends from England. Like, you know. I know you have many friends. You have many friends all over the world, but you're, st you're still Irish. And that's like almost like being Scottish, right? In terms of how you look at England. So I get it, right? I understand. But I am going to say England is going to take it home. Now, all our, all our Italian viewers, I apologize, but I just, I think England... I think England, I think this is the, this is that year. This is that year they, you know, it's been 1966, Mike, since they won a championship. How old are you in 66, Jeff? What are you? What are you? I'm joking. You're really? really <laughs> I was in, I, I was in Knickers. <laughs> Did you watch the World Cup final in 66? I guess I, I'm joking. It's, uh... Oh, I didn't watch it in 66. You didn't even, <laughs> the World Cup final wasn't even on in the United States in 66. <laughs> I think, um, well, before I stand, have you, have you got a score prediction? Like, have you got a prediction for the score? Or I, I think it, score? I, I really, truly believe it's going to be 3-1 England. I think, uh, well, look, I was, I was at the game the other day. The, the atmosphere is fantastic. Um, doesn't matter what my opinion of the England team. Like, look, I'm, I'm a Premier League soccer fan. I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um if it's nil-nil at halftime, if it's nil-nil at 65 minutes, that's when it gets very interesting because that Italy team at that point will push for extra time. And if they get to the extra time and we're getting to the second half of extra time and we're looking at penalties, I would take Italy. But I think over the 90 minutes, I think England will, do, will, will be too much for them. and um, It'll be intriguing to see. But uh, look, you've, you, you and Neil and the guys have met Gareth Southgate and I seen yep. the other day, I think you, you both said on Twitter, 
about how impressed you are. I, I wouldn't begrudge any of those lads a, a win on Sunday. I think um, it's been a, it's been a long time. So uh, I, I'm I'm going to say one 0 England, but I do think after watching Italy in the, on extra time on Tuesday, I was amazed by their composure and their how, how chilled they were. So. You know, I, I tell you what, uh, let's talk about Southgate for just a second because mm-hmm. when he came into our booth at the Super Bowl and you know he Which talked to Neil, he, he talked to Neil Miami he talked to Neil and uh and then uh we had a little break and he turned to Rob and I and he, he started to ask strategic football questions about the game and mm-hmm. it was really fascinating because you could you could you know you hear you heard the coach's mind working in him and he was trying to he was you know he was trying to relate what was happening in the Super Bowl to his experiences coaching the elite you know as an elite soccer coach and I thought that was really fascinating I really was impressed with the guy and I'm pulling for him because I think it'd be an awesome thing for him to uh to you know host that Euro trophy that'd be awesome let's see what happens tomorrow night what's your score predi- what I said 3-1 what's your score prediction I think England will win one though um but I do I, I think it'll be very tight um and do you know why I think it'll be tight? I think they'll be very nervous and I wouldn't blame them because this is something that nobody's seen here. So, so I mean, like a lot of the population haven't seen it. I mean, I've, I haven't seen it. So, uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the game. I think England will win, but I think the longer the game goes on, it will be, as Alex Ferguson says, squeaky bomb time. Who knows? <laughs> Patrick Izumi time, Jeff, yeah? All right, bring him on, man. Let's get with Patrick. Welcome back to Coffee with Coach, and we are extremely excited today to welcome the commissioner of the European League of Football, the ELF, Patrick Izuma. Welcome to the show, Pat. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's been a pleasure to watch this come off the ground. I want to go back a few years, though, and back to your days as a coach in National Football League Europe, NFL Europe. You coached for the Hamburg Blue Devils played the indigenous game with the Hamburg Blue Devils at in the GFL as a player, and then became involved with NFL Europe. I said Blue Devils, but it was Sea Devils. I got to get my devils right. But, uh, Pat, this has been a great football journey for you. Uh, you did some work in the National Football League during training camps with, uh, I believe, who was the Cleveland Browns and the Raiders? And Philly. And Philadelphia, three different teams. So obviously you've got a great football background. You've been the head coach of the French national team. You've been involved in team Europe in a number of elite level teams, but what was it Pat that made you believe that it was time to bring back, if not NFL Europe, as close as we can get to an NFL Europe environment? Yeah. Um, you know, as, uh, as you told the audience about my background, you know, my background is amateur football game in Europe. So I played nine seasons here uh, or eight retired. And then some guy named Jeff Reinbold brought me back for another year. (laughs) So I love the game. Uh, I love the European amateur game. Uh, Football was good for me. It gave me a lot. Um, And I figured it's it's now with, uh, since I work for the media for Posibum here, you know, I do college football in the NFL uh, on, on free TV. It's big over here. I figured, why is 
doesn't have a great sport of American football, not the same platform for homegrown football that it has for college football or the NFL. That makes no sense because there are more and more kids heading over to play FBS and FCS football. The level of football is great. The audience loves football, but yet there isn't a league that is trying to put the professional touch and the professional production behind it to actually make the homegrown game kind of interesting. And I figure, well, nobody does it. Heck, then I do it. Well, Pat, you and I have been together at a number of uh, Super Bowls where we've talked about, you know, growing the game and what's the best avenue to create a pathway. Because you're exactly right. For, for an indigenous player, for a player that grew up playing in Germany or Scotland or Ireland or anywhere in, the, in Europe, it's almost like you hit a wall at a certain point. And now only very, very few will ever go on and have an opportunity to play in the National Football League, but there are a tremendous amount of good football players throughout Europe that want to play at their highest level, want to play at the highest level possible. And I've watched, we're in week three of the EFL season, Pat, and I got to tell you, I've been impressed with the talent level and the games that your league is putting on. Yeah, I mean, this is something that was obviously as, as, as the guy that's responsible for the football side, you know, what, one of my major focuses was to, to put a competitive league that is, that is balanced first and foremost, but also, also above other European leagues. I wanted to put that on the field in year one. And, and looking at the games now, I'm really excited and happy that this is actually the case. Once we started the league, there were so many kids, former NFL players, guys that were borderline NFL players, um, and a lot of German kids that played college football in the U.S. that came back, didn't want to play in the amateur league over here. But once they heard about European League of Football, they all came back and said, hey, we, we want to be part of it. So the level of football is definitely from the jump top of European football. Now, Pat, I, I look at the teams. And you've done a great job of, you know, it's not just a German league, although that's where the bulk of your teams are located. So but, you've got, but, but you've got a team in Poland, you've got a team in Barcelona, and you've got German teams. How did you go about the process of deciding where you were going to place your franchises? Well, uh, you know, since we are not uh, based on a club system like every, everybody else is actually based on in Europe, I said, I want to, want to go a different route. Um, and, and these are all businesses. These are not club teams. These are businesses. And if you look at it from a business standpoint, you want to be in locations where there is a big crowd, a big audience, chance to pack a stadium. So not necessarily, what, what was not important is, yeah, you can play, play great football, but if you're in a small city, you are not interesting to us. We wanted big major cities, Hamburg, with NFA Europe background. That's why a lot of the teams are in Germany. But Leipzig is a big city in the east. It's Boomtown in the east. Berlin is our capital. Hamburg, more than 2 million people live in there. Then Cologne and NRV, as you know, 18 million people living in this area. This is like LA, a little bit more spread out. Frankfurt is an American football town because of the connection to the, to the US Army. Stuttgart, same thing. So uh, that was the major thing. And, and you know what, as far as Germany goes, we are almost set with German uh, teams as we expand in the next years to come. They're, they're, you know, we're gonna expand Europe-wide, but not German-wide. Okay, so now, Pat, you got 
and again, bear with me because my Polish is not very good, but Wrocław yes. and Barcelona. And it's interesting, a friend of mine who was the offensive coordinator for the Packers, for the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, you know, has a, has, was the head coach at Boston College, has a great... He is uh, there. Jeff Jagodzinski. Yeah. Uh, talked to him yesterday. Is is really 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 enjoying his time in the league right. and coaching. They put up fifty points the first two weeks of the season, and he told me the other day that he was surprised at the high level of play, not just by the American the imports that you had on your rosters, but by the entire squad, the European kids, the Polish kids, the German kids. How many European countries are represented on your rosters? Oh wow! Um, whew. I, I never, I never did the math to be honest. But we got kids from England, France, the Netherlands, Germany, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, Czech Republic. Um, I think Serbia, Croatia, Spain, Italy, Turkey. Uh, and then if you go further outside of Europe, we got Japanese, we got Chinese, we got Brazilian. So we are really an international league when it comes to 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 that. Bro, I was going to say you're bigger than the EU, but you guys might be as big as the as the UN. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Obviously, our expansion plan is stops at the borders of Europe and not necessarily the EU, but Europe. Because you know, obviously, travel then becomes a problem if you if you expand too far. All right, but I want to talk for a little bit about the first three weeks of the season. What have been the positive surprises that you've had in the first three weeks? And then, anytime you're starting a new business, starting a new league, you've got challenges. What have been the challenges in the first three weeks? Well, the positive is the the competitive balance. That's the positive because, you know, as you know, the Germans always think they play the best football in Europe. So they say, well, Barcelona and Wroclaw, what are they going to do? Well, Wroclaw is pretty damn good. They were, they scored 109 points in the first two games with two and oh, they lost a close one very last two minutes of the, of the game in week three are still at top of the league with to be in two and one Barcelona. They got a good team. Uh, they should have won the first one. They are 0-3, but they are really close. It's not like they're getting blown out or something like that. And somebody has to lose games too. So uh, we have games that are 47 to 48. Leipzig against Cologne. I mean, these are tight games, a lot of scoring. That's positive. The biggest surprise to me is Leipzig. I have to say, uh, pull my head, uh, tip my head to Fred Armstrong, who managed to put together a team. In that short amount of time, unbelievable. And they are competitive. Um, obviously, there are challenges, as you mentioned, you know, uh, stats crews, providing stats uh, and live stats so we can use them for the TV feed. That is a big challenge because, you know, obviously, you don't have full-time people working on the stats. So if you got somebody that, you know, uh, works a, a night shift, then, you know, works day shift or has family, then at night comes to the game uh, or he can't, he might not be able to make it. He forgets something. Oh, the internet is not working. So these are the challenges. But overall, you know, I expected more stuff to go wrong 
Um, so I, I'm happy, knock on wood. I hope it stays that way. But there's plenty of room for improvement. Well, those sound to me more like growing pains than actual big issues. You know, when you, if those yeah. are the, those are the things you're going through, you've got to feel pretty good about it. You know, I have watched Pat, um, as I said, I've watched your little clips, uh, your highlight clips on YouTube. And it has been, I thought, I thought this television coverage is good. I thought, you know, the commentators do a great job with it. Obviously the play on the field is way, in my opinion, better than, the average GFL game that you would see in terms yeah. of overall talent on the football field. How did you go about finding players? What was the, what was the process to go about uh, stocking your teams? Well, you're probably going to be surprised or maybe not, but as I was a player myself, you know, as a European player, what are you looking for? You, you said it, you, uh, if you play in Europe, you get to a certain point, you hit a wall, you can't go further than that. Why did I come back? Why did I play for the Blue Devils in the 90s? Most professional setting, big stadium. We had TV coverage, at least regional. So you got some fame. It was professional, American coaches. You know, we traveled almost like a college team and, and it was just more professional. So to me, it was no question, I want to play for that team. Now, when the European League of Football started, you know, finding players was not the problem because the players are all the same. They want to play on the highest level. They figured out, oh, this, this is going to be shown on Poseidon, the same TV, free TV station that shows the NFL. They managed to get a TV contract. I'm in because I want my parents and my grandma and my girlfriend, I want them able to see me play at Barcelona. I don't have to pay a membership fee. I don't have to pay for my own helmet. I don't have to pay for my shoulder pad. This is all provided. So, of course, you say, well, I play on TV. I don't have to pay a single buck to, for equipment. I travel. I fly to Barcelona. I don't pay for anything. All, all I do is I come in and I do what I'm supposed to do, and that is play football. So, you know, finding players was not that tough. And now that we started and everybody has seen the product that we put on the field and actually on TV, now all hell is going to break loose or is breaking loose. Well, Pat, that, that takes me to one of the questions that we got from our, our listeners, our viewers. Uh, John from Dallas, Texas asked, how can I watch the games outside of Germany? If you're in the U.S., obviously we do have something like the NFL Game Pass. There's a European League of Football Game Pass that you can get on our website if you just want. And there are different versions of it, whole season just a certain team or just a game pass for that game. So you can get on a website, pick and choose what you want to see, buy a tiny, small package or buy the whole season. So wherever in the world you are, you can watch the European League of Football. So anybody across the world just goes to Europe, gets on Google and goes to European League of Football and yes. then gets on the website and they can access your games. They can, they can get the game pass and then get the games wherever they are on the planet or if they have a Samsung device and they live in Europe or and maybe probably in July or August, if they live in the US, uh, you know, most of the TVs are Samsung or you have the phones. There's on Samsung TV, we have our own channel, ELF Network. So if you have a Samsung device, you can watch us too. How is, how is the season, uh, the ticket sales gone how, in terms of crowds? It sounds like, and again, because of the camera angles, a lot of times you can't see the crowd, but it sounds like you're getting good crowd support. 
Yes, you know, obviously uh, the, the pandemic is, is still a reality in, in Europe and in Germany too, and in Spain and in Poland, but uh, we were allowed to put limited amount of people in the stands based on the capacity of the stadium. So for example, Hamburg was allowed 2000 people. Obviously there were 2000 people, you know, and, and I think in, in Rocklaw, they were allowed to put 3000 people in the stadium. They had 3000 people and, and it's pretty, you know, I would say the average already is higher than, way higher than the average European football game, way higher. Now, are you playing in HSB Stadium, in Housefall Stadium in, in Hamburg? Well, this year not, but next year. That's awesome. Okay, let's talk about the future. Let's talk about next year. What is the next year, and then what's the long game? What do you see yourself, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, in 10 years. Jeez, in 10 years, I see myself... Uh, uh, living a life like Jeff Reinbold, just chilling, <laughs> Hawaii, you know, a beer, a surfboard. No, but, uh, you know, short term, you know, we want to expand uh, in 2022 to either 12 or 16 teams. And then, you know, in five years from now, 24 teams, four divisions, the max, absolute max would be 32, but I think 24 is enough because if you have 24 quality locations in Europe, you set, you got 24 teams out of 12 countries, uh, you know, that's the midterm plan. And then long-term, I want this thing to, to be there to stay. That it's, it's, it's institutional. That's the European League of Football, you know, like the NFL is gonna be there in 20, 30, 40, 50 years and it just runs and it becomes the pathway to for European kids that don't go to college because for whatever reason, but still are good, good enough to play that they have that pathway to actually go to the NFL. Now, Pat, with Prozeven as your primary TV producer, will you be able to access, let's say you go to Paris and you go to Lyon or wherever, and will you be able to, cross border with Prozeben or will you need to get French TV on board or how would you expand your TV reach? Well, the, the good thing, Jeff, is that that uh, the main investor in our CEO, Jeko Karajca, um, is, is the former CEO of Prozeben. So he knows TV business and he figured out fairly quick that we're not, or he didn't figure out, he, his plan was from the get-go, hey, Prozeben is not gonna produce our games we produce our games ourselves. So we got the right to the world feed uh, 100%. So uh, we deliver the feed to Poseidon. We can deliver the feed to Paris and sell it there to whatever station wants to show it. So, you know, the, 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 the product is always in our hand, not in Poseidon's hand. Well, Pat, I really appreciate you coming to visit with us today. It's awesome to see you succeeding. It's awesome to see another opportunity for kids to play, coaches to coach, fans to enjoy the game that we've grown to love so much. Um, I tell you what, man, it's it's awesome when I when you see guys like you have the courage to to take a shot, you know, to to stand in there and and take your turn and take a shot. And I wish you the best of luck in the future. And Thank certainly, you. we'll continue to watch you know, as we can on, on YouTube. And, and again, if you are a big fan of football and you want to see some really good young football players play, European kids play, go to the website, the European League of Football, buy the package and tune in and watch good football played 
throughout Europe. Uh, again, Pat, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, and and uh, look forward to talking to you. We'll bring you back at the end of the season. We'll go. We'll have a seasonal recap. Yeah, let's do this. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Have a great day, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.